Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Oi, the boys on Footy Prime on occasion are known to use vulgarities and frankly appalling language. And sometimes tales are quite adult in nature. So keep the volume down if there are kiddies around. And thank you for listening. Oh, let's go! Booty, booty, it's time to get this party started. Booty, booty, it's time to get this party started. You know that we are the number one show. So grab your fucking mitts and now it's time to go. Cause it's the foodie foodie. It's time to get this party started. It's the foodie foodie. It's time to get this party started. With Danny, Jimmy, Craig, Donner, Jenkins, JC. All we know and all we talk about is foodie foodie. It's time to get this party started tonight. You're listening to FP Interviews. In-depth conversations with interesting people. Footy Prime, your almost daily footy fix. So we're recording today's podcast on, on Monday morning earlier. Forrest is here, Brennan, JC, Wonga, me, Shams. Um, we're actually missing the, the Queen's funeral for this today. So sorry, fellas. I, I know you were you know, up early to, to watch it today, but uh, I appreciate you joining us on, on this special occasion. Say sorry to the Queen. You know, I was thinking about this because someone asked me, like, are you watching the funeral? And I'm like, it's a bit like the Italian Syria in, in that, and I, I respect it to a certain degree. Don't really enjoy it that much. Can't watch a full game, but I watch highlights. So I'll watch the news tonight. I'll watch the highlights. So the Queen's funeral to me is a bit like the Italian Syria with respect to the Italian Syria. Well, you're an old Catholic. Do you remember when they're naming a pope? This is the same shit. Like pageantry, pageantry. pageantry. Jesus. Like, I'm done. Yeah. I, I just caught a bit of it. It's it's pretty, uh, you know, you don't see it. I, I just think because the monarchy is so rare to see now in today's world, and it's so historical. So I don't know if it'll be uh, be like that. Again, I don't know. It's it's We've all lived with her. We're, the, we're probably the only person of power in the world that every human has lived with at this point. So... And that's yeah, it. It's that's that familiarity, right? And that's yeah. the one thing that does hit a, hit a chord with me. I, I think um, that voice, by the way, you you might recognise him. He's been around the block a few times. Um, he's actually a huge Glasgow Celtic fan. We'll get into that. Um, but we, we we invited him onto the show today because we think we're really funny, and, and some of you listeners do as well. Except for Golden Balls Two Thousand, who said that the hosts think they're funny, which they're not. On, on a Google review, <laughs> we had that. But um, we, we think we're funny, but we're not as funny as this guy. It's Jerry D. Jerry D, 
who knows Jimmy, knows myself way back when, knows Craig. Uh, he's just meeting JC and Wonga. Jerry, welcome to the show, mate. Thank you so much for this. My pleasure. Yeah, I was looking forward to this. I, uh, As you said, I, I have a bit of a background with my family's connection to Celtic, but you know, I, I keep an eye on Celtic and football in general and soccer, whatever we're calling it. But, uh, you know, I, I've, I took some shots on Craig years ago and I've met Jimmy many times. So, uh, I, I always have a, a, a spot in my, in my heart for soccer. You're like the Canadian Ted Lasso. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> Without the sitcom. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's well, me. you you actually had a show the, the other night and it was canceled because the power went out. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. I just, I was walking to get a coffee and all of a sudden it just went black. The, 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 the city and uh, it was in Peterborough and I was like, oh, you gotta be kidding me. Like, you know, nothing worse than driving somewhere and, you know, and then having to drive back right away. So uh, got canceled and, I ended up meeting up with Dan O'Toole, who we probably all know, and he lives out that way. And he was coming to the show, and I hadn't talked to him in like two years. So I got to see Dan, which was great, and went back home. So that was the night. far. It, yeah, luckily it wasn't a flight or something. No. <laughs> pretty, and well, that's not bad. Out to Peterborough for a coffee and then home? Yeah. <laughs> the keg. We went to the keg. You know the keg? I always go to the keg because I worked there for 10 years, so. My safe haven. Let's, let's go back to quickly. I want to go back to this. You, you took shots on Craig. When was this? And how did this happen? And how many oh, did you skip was you, him? right, Craig? Were you in net when I did the score? No, I wasn't. Um, oh, who was that, Jimmy? I think who it was Suts. Yes. Oh, was it? Oh, oh, right. Greg Sutton. That's it right. Was Sutton. Was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was Sutton. You were actually uh, the host for the uh, MC in the night for the Canada Sports Hall of Fame event that went out the night I was inducted, which was oh, special, yeah. to ha- special to have you. Was that? Oh, I took chances on that night. I don't know. I did it twice. Were you there when Gretzky was there or Coffee or? Yeah, it was the same year Coffee was uh, put in. Yeah. Wayne, Wayne Gretzky was, was there. Yeah. There was. Do you remember that? Like, I was just, I turned it into a roast. I don't know why. Um, well, well it's one of those events. Yeah, it was just the speeches. Some people just love to hear them tell self talk. And I, some of the speeches, like, I wish you thought we all cared. <laughs> as much as you do and nobody you know nobody sometimes people don't have that filter like you know if you're doing a speech the shorter the better no one in that room is like please do a long speech and there was uh there was an athlete inducted and uh i won't say her name because uh, she actually just passed away which which is unfortunate but she got up and she she did a speech and mentioned a song for every look when someone's inducted and they start their speech in 1973, I was six. You're like, Oh boy, you're not, you're not doing this chronologically. Are you? Cause this is, it's going to be a long time. And she did, she did it chronologically. And um, we, we got, you know, 78, 82 and every, every bit along the way she had a song she remembered and I'd never heard of half the songs. And, um, I'm standing in the back and I'm like, Oh my God, this is painful. You know? And I, and then I tune out cause I have ADD or whatever I have. And I'm like, okay, hey, I'm out. Like this isn't funny and I'm not amused. So I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> you lost me at the four minute mark and I'm just standing in the dark. And then she turns to me and asks me the name. She can't remember the name of a song. 
turns to me. She was, what was the name of that? What was the name of that song at the Olympics? And I step into the mic. I said, look, I got to apologize. You lost me at like song seven. <laughs> and it's so funny because nobody laughed. But Gretzky came up to me after and said, I was dying. And it, that's all I needed, right? I'm like, well, Wayne Gretzky liked it. So, well, but it was one of those, it's one of those nights where I had so much fun doing it. And then I just went for it with everybody. And it's one of those things where I think the best comedy and my parents are British and, and Scottish. And I think that's the best comedy in the world is the British humor. And when you say what everyone's thinking, it takes a lot of, it takes a lot to do it, but that's my favorite, my favorite comedic moments when someone has the guts to say what a thousand people are thinking. And that's what I did that night. And I don't think I chirped Craig at all. You probably had a good speech. Well, I don't know if I did or not, but it's, it's like Ricky Gervais, right? At the Golden yeah. Globes, just not giving a shit and, and just laying it out yeah. there. And little, all these self-important people who just- Yeah, yeah. a little different level. He really, uh, I don't know if I could go the depth he goes to it, but, it, and it's, you know, and they never asked me back, obviously. And I'm, I was okay with that. But yeah, it, it's, it's like I did an event like that once. <clears throat> it was- uh, in Halifax, it was a, a really, really great event. It was probably 12 years ago, 15 years ago. And it was a head table on the stage. Uh, Jay and Dan were actually there. Uh, Mickey Ward, the boxer. Roberto Alomar, the baseball player. Uh, Anthony Calvillo, uh, Montreal Alouette. And Walter Gretzky. And Walter Gretzky gets up. You know, 1,000 people, $500 a plate, tuxedos. And he gets up and does. And I rode with Walter from the airport. And Walter has no idea who I am, obviously. And he told me jokes the whole way. Like, what do you call, like the whole way? Because I said I was a comedian. It was really cute. So it's a 45-minute drive from the airport. And I just got Walter Gretzky jokes, one after the other, rapid fire. And um, so he gets up. He does a speech about, you know, uh, I, I would go out in the backyard. I would spray the grass with water. It would freeze. I would go in, I would have a couple beers and I'd watch hockey and Wayne would be out there for hours. And he does, you know, he does a, a, a great speech and he gets a standing ovation. And I'm sitting there going, okay, the, you know, this isn't Wayne. Like we're getting a little carried away here. Like it's, it's the dad, <laughs> the dad of, the, of, the, of the greatest hockey player ever. So Anthony Calvillo goes up next. And he does a speech about winning the Grey Cup with cancer. I don't know if you remember when he mm -hmm. won the Grey Cup. He announced in his post-game speech, very emotionally, I have cancer. That's a, that's a pretty big thing. You play the whole Grey Cup, any championship, with cancer. Don't tell anyone to not, take the, you know, to not distract the team or anything. And then wins the Grey Cup. No standing ovation. So, of course, <laughs> I rip into the crowd. I'm like, are you guys kidding me? This guy... This guy poured water on grass and had beers watching hockey. And we're giving him a standing ovation. And Anthony won the Great Cup. And that was another moment for me where I was like Mickey Ward, you know, tough guy was set up. He sat, I sat down next to him and he said, I was, I was terrified. I was terrified what you would have said about me. So sometimes it's fun to do that. I I love it. It's it's you know, poking fun at little things, but uh, that was another event where people were like, oh, boy, oh, I can't believe he said that. But it's really harmless. <laughs> yeah. Is that where Jerry D's sports reporter? 
Jerry uh, D Sports was, Reporter. Was no, that was all pre that. Jerry D Sports Reporter, if you remember Anthony Ciccolini. No, not Ciccolini. Ciccone. Ciccone. Anthony Ciccone. Yeah. Great guy. When I came off last comic standing uh, in the U.S., which was a really big launching thing for me, Anthony called me and said, hey, um, you know, any anything you can think of, we want to add some levity to the score. And I had always had this, I always had this character in mind. You know, you guys know that that played professional sports, like the questions just, it's like tiring. So I wanted yeah. to ask questions differently. And that was the, how that character evolved. And, um, you know, I had no, I, my fir- very first interview was Matt Stage and on the Leafs, I walked in, I was nervous. Randy Urban was my producer who I'm still. Randy, great guy. I walked in and I went up to him and, you know, you guys can imagine playing, imagine, you know, you got a guy with a Mike Fob, the score, and he's in a suit. And I said, can I interview you? He said, sure. And I, I got cheek to cheek with him. And I said, look, we brought the wrong lens. I apologize, but it's going to look normal on TV. It's going to feel different here. And Matt Stajan was like, who is this guy? And I then went and interviewed another guy and I sat in his stall and I, kept looking up at his name because I didn't know who I was talking to. The <laughs> two of them, I, I got to know Matt a lot more later. The two of them went in the bath, uh, the the back area, the showers, and said, did you meet that interview? Did that idiot from the score? Like, he goes, yeah, what, like, I didn't know my name. And they were they were just talking about it. So <laughs> that was the start of it was Matt's stage and interview. But, um, you know, I had so much fun doing that and met so many great guys and and i you know that was where i did uh sutton when i took shots on him and jimmy was there and yeah i met a lot of great people mostly athletes but uh that was that's how that started that was brilliant i used to love watching you do that yeah it did well it was great and it, when the score got bought out uh yeah nobody approached me so it just it just ended went away i mean it was a beauty because not only does the media industry take itself too seriously in sports, right? With, like you said, with the generic bullshit questions, you know, so does sports as well. So once the, the players and athletes figured out who you were, it probably changed a little bit, I'm sure, when they saw you coming. At first, when they were like just caught off guard, I mean, that was the beauty of it, right? That rawness. And, and that's what yeah. just, I found hilarious. Yeah, that was harder to do. Then, as you're right, as they got to know me, um, the Canadians all – the Canadian athletes would all know me by year three because it was on so much. So then I could really only get the American athletes and, uh, or the, you know, the, the, the athletes from overseas. Um, you know, the wor- I, people say, what's the worst person ever. And it was, uh, Celtic was playing a friendly here. I forget who, who they were playing at. Um, and I went and did that. And it's funny cause you could see the video on one of the Lisbon lions. I, I, I think it was Bertie Ald is walking up. He was helping with Celtic. I don't know. And I went to interview. I stopped a Celtic player, and I didn't know who they were. And uh, I and I, for some reason he put his hand in my face and went, "No, get out of here." And he didn't know who I was. And I, as the only time, I almost went, like, "What'd you say?" And I almost went at the, the only that <laughs> ever like he was just a like he put his hand right in my like I have no idea why he didn't know who I was and he was just uh um just an asshole and and that was the only guy and then he ended up playing here and it's funny I don't know if I should say his name or not yeah of course you should Darren O'Day Darren O'Day Darren O'Day, Darren O'Day you're yeah. right so yeah. Darren O'Day you're invited on to to, to, to have a conversation with him and it's funny because my cousin in Scotland is knows him now i think 
I, I don't know if he's back over there, but he's Irish, I think. <clears throat> anyway, it was how I perceived it. He won't remember because you guys do so many of these, but I just never remember someone. I, I've never had anyone do that. And it was, I almost, I said, turn the camera off. And I almost followed him and said, like, what are you doing? You know? And I didn't, but anyway, that was, yeah, that was the Darren. That's the, that's the infamous Darren O'Day story. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Do you think, do you think most of the sports take themselves too seriously? I mean, of all the sports you've covered, which sport takes itself way too seriously? I don't think, you know, I don't think any of them do. I, I, I think the athletes are all individuals. You get, you get situations like that 99.9% .9 of the time, the athletes, and I interviewed some really big athletes. Like they were great. Um, they liked it. You know, the, my favorite interview ever <clears throat> was quite well, a few, but Barkley was my favorite, but Roy Halliday, I stopped Roy Halliday coming out of the dugout and Roy didn't do a lot of things like this. Roy was very focused um, and he was coming out of the dugout and it was not his day to pitch. Otherwise, and I was very respectful, you know, if a goalie was starting that day or I, I knew all the kind of inside sports world stuff that I'd stayed away from. I didn't interview teams after they lost. I just went to the winning dressing rooms and Roy was a fan of comedy and he knew the character and he said, yeah, I'd love to. And he stopped. I remember being there going, wow, this is rare because Roy, Roy doesn't do this a lot. And we talked and the interviews on YouTube now and we talked about, you know, I just jumped right in. I said, listen, I mean, this is, you, you pitch every fifth day, you make whatever you make. I said, that's ridiculous. You, you're off for four days. <laughs> four days off. And he laughed. And he goes, yeah, it's not a bad point. He goes, but I do other things. I go, you don't, though. You don't. <laughs> what, you're getting $2 million to stretch? So he loved it. He knew the character. And when I didn't have people know me, yeah, it could, like Mark Messier, <clears throat> He didn't know me, and I thought he was going to punch me right in the face. And then he figured it out because someone behind went, it's okay or something. And then he was, he was on board. So uh, it was a lot of fun. I was very – I didn't go in with a game plan. I didn't know who I was getting. I would show up. Um, you know, you tried to get Jeter. You tried to get those big names. It didn't always work. Uh, but when they, when they caught on, and they were – especially the Canadians, they knew – and they wanted it. They wanted the interview. They didn't want to, you know, I remember Steven Stamkos, his first game in Toronto, there was 12, there was a scrum of 12 reporters around him. And I didn't do the scrums very often because it, it didn't make sense. Right. And I was always respectful of the other reporters. I wasn't there to, you know, make their jobs harder or, you know, make them look foolish. So I stayed away from scrums and everybody wanted an interview with them and no one got it, but me. Like he came to me cause I had him at my hockey school when he was 10 and he goes, yeah, I'll be right back. So I was very lucky in a lot of situations when they knew the character or had recognized me. Uh, I got these opportunities that a lot of, a lot of guys are like, Be and because there's the same questions, right? They were just like, ah, what? there's nothing different. And this was different. Do you find Jerry that you, that you have that blend? Cause you love that British comedy, uh, which goes down well there, but over here and in the United States, especially, I remember like Frank Gallup, my old teammate, Canadian international, when he moved from England being Canadian English to the United States, he said, they don't understand my comedy. They actually come up to me and said, you're really mean. And he's like, yeah. he goes, it's just so different. He goes, I, very, very difficult. And Frank's like the least meanest guy he could possibly. Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, we, we, and you know, 
and Jimmy knows this as well. And, and James, I mean, if you're British or your background's British or you just follow British comedy, I mean, we like to say you take the piss out of each other. And that's that's kind of the way it is. And, you know, even my own family, like, yeah. they didn't care I was a comic. They they couldn't care less. They, they were as funny as me in a lot of ways. Um, it's a very dry sense of humor. Um, it's very small. Like, we're not big, like, you know, goofy, slappy type that doesn't kind of fly over there. So it is different people. You, it's very deadpan. And when you say things deadpan uh, and, and, you know, for me, you have to not care. I, I don't, I don't care if, if I, I, I'm, I don't want to offend people on a lot of things, but there's things I'm like, come on, suck it up. There's a little joke. So you're, you're hundred percent right. It's, it's a lot less sensitive over there. Um, yeah. You have to be thick skinned. And I grew up with a, a, a Scottish family, so I was already. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Jimmy knows all about that. <laughs> yeah, no, no kidding. They just take the piss out of each other all the time. That, um, I mean, that's the one thing too. Is I think with that that comedy, you got to be able to laugh at yourself and not take things too serious. And then you're always finding humor in a situation, which I love, regardless of what the situation is. Someone's always trying to find a funny point about it. And and yeah, and play we you know. I don't know how many, but I played hockey and, and, you know, when you're on a team, you, you can't be soft. I mean, guys are in the room all the time, right? It's just, that's the best part. That's the part everybody misses is the dressing room. So Mm -hmm. that's the best part when you just go at each other and have a laugh. I mean, you, you know, you guys played professionally. You can't, you can imagine a guy that was sensitive. He wouldn't last five minutes because, because you'd go out of more. You, oh, you, yeah. wouldn't, you wouldn't be you go out of more you either it's fight or flight so i don't know it's the only way i knew it growing up was you know my my father was and mother were big on humility and i think that's also a british thing you yeah. you ever get too ahead of yourself everybody will bring you down real quick so um that's how i grew up and you never you never allowed to boast about yourself. You shouldn't. And mm-hmm. I think that's great. And, but you've got to be ready to take it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Self-deprecation, right. And banter. And, and yeah. nowadays, oh, banter's there's this dirty word, but fuck that. You know, it's, it's fun. I read a book recently about the, the SAS, the, the special services in, in, mm. in, in, in uh, UK, Great Britain. And, you know, he was talking about the banter amongst the guys, the soldiers and how it was so important. You had to do that. You had to have that. They're, they're talking about themselves being shot, being killed, in in a, in a you know a ruthless way amongst themselves, and it's so important to keep the whole room loose so they they felt real. And I mean, I think that's so so important. But mm-hmm. I tell you, nowadays more and more now you get criticised for it. But like I said, well, I was on Family Feud Canada yesterday, and I was joking about uh, a lady was talking about she she's not good at directions. She always gets lost. One day she was driving around Edmonton, where she's from, and she just followed a white van. She just followed a white van. And I said, well, how do you know where the white van's going? She was, I didn't. And then I just turned to the camera and said, like, you know, kids out there, don't follow white vans. That's not, <laughs> not a good thing oh, to because there might be pedophiles. <laughs> and the crowd went, ooh. I said, oh, really? We're, we're, we're afraid to upset pedophiles now? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you know, there's to be a comedian now is a little trickier. It's a little different. It is, um, yeah. And, and for good reason, um, you know, I was never one to go after, you know, uh, minority jokes or bald jokes or I mean, which, you know, we're often the target. And it's good now that Thanks. we're a little Thanks, more Jerry. aware. I appreciate yeah. the bald yeah. joke. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, 
now it's just, you know, you do have to still, you know, there was a girl in my front, my third row the other night and a woman was, I said, she taught, she said she taught grade six. And I said, are there any kids you hate in your grades, in your uh, JK, they're six year olds. Are there any kids you hate? Cause you must hate a kid. Cause with teachers, there's always a kid you hate. And she goes, yeah, there's this one little boy. He never listens. And, you know, I tell him to do this. And she goes, I don't hate him, but he drives me nuts. And then another woman in the back goes, you shouldn't make fun of special needs. <laughs> and I said, nobody here said the kid was special needs. Like, we're just going down. A, like, we're just, nobody said special needs. The kid <laughs> doesn't listen. Like, that's not now. So it's just funny how everybody is on guard, which is good in a lot of ways. But as a comedian, you really have to know you know, where to draw the line and not draw too much or you'll just be afraid to say anything. And I, and yeah. I try to balance that every day to get hecklers so, still. I don't, I don't get hecklers because they're coming, they're paying a pretty good price to come. Uh, it's not, I I've had them my whole career when you do clubs, right. but now that they know they're coming to see me, they're familiar with me. They might try to, you know, get into the, but no, not hecklers. Like I'm writing a book right now and I'm, I'm reliving a lot of stories for the book. And <clears throat> I got this gig after last comic standing, I got this gig and I had a new agent in LA and <clears throat> he goes, yeah, I got you a gig in Bahamas. I'm like, what? Now I'm used to doing like Barry for, <laughs> so I come off last comic standing and this guy says, uh, yeah, I got you a gig in Bahamas. Very nonchalant. Um, yeah. 10 grand. I'm like, 10 grand? He goes, yeah. Like, it's nothing. I go, that's what I'm going to get? 10 grand? He goes, yeah. I said, and of course, like every kid, I'm like, U.S.? <laughs> He's like, yeah, U.S. Net? <laughs> We're not deciding. We're U.S. It's all U.S. So I'm like, oh, my God. I'm telling my wife, like, this is like, this is what, this is crazy, right? Like, I, you know, I was a teacher making 700, 800 bucks a week. I'm getting 10,000 to tell jokes. So it was the first time after that I realized, like, whoa, this is different. But I get to the Bahamas and it's it's a it's a a bunch of guys with their nieces. And I'm like, nieces. And it was a fishing trip, all these old men, and half of them had a hooker. I'm like, this is an audience. <laughs> I gotta do 45 minutes. And I just look into the crowd and there's an old white guy, hooker. <laughs> old white guy, hooker. I'm like, and I'm five minute, five seconds into my gig and I'm getting, you suck. I'm like, what? Like I haven't even started. It was, so do I get heckled? I thought this was going to be the greatest gig ever. It was the worst gig. And it was nothing to do with the hookers. They just sat there. Oh, they weren't heckling you. They're a great audience, right? Yeah. Well, if they heckled me, you ought to have something to say. But it was the worst gig ever. And I had to do 45 minutes and I knew if I don't do my 45 minutes, maybe they can renege on the payment, blah, blah, blah. And they just slowly, they just kept leaving. And there were, there were, there were $80 million yachts right behind me. Cause it was right on the water. 80. I'd never heard there was an 80 million, such a thing. There was like 30 of them lined up. These were billionaires and they were, they were drunk cause they started fishing at 5. AM and it's right. nine o'clock and I'm getting heckled everywhere and then now i'm just going back at the guy like i'm surprised that i didn't get in a fight because it was just got real ugly so <laughs> yes i get heckled at all stages and that was the worst night of heckling <laughs> I've dealt with. 
the hookers were probably getting more than 10 grand. Yeah, yeah maybe. Probably. It might have been. I don't know. Well, Jerry don't know. D's cheaper than a hooker. <laughs> <laughs> and not funnier. And not funnier. That's what the guys all said back at their boat. You know what? You're funnier than that comedian. Yeah. I've met a lot of funny hookers, though. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot. That's the whole thing. Actually, we had, hey, wait, let's you make fun of hookers, guys, please. That's is, this is, you know. It's a, it's a, it's not. We actually have a, we have a number of hookers that listen to us regularly, actually. So uh, we do apologize. Any, any hookers That's taking right. offense not, today, we do apologize. We're not making fun of hookers. We're making fun of the guys that were heckling. Yeah. Yeah. yeah those so, guys that enable them to be hookers. Enable it. Yes. Um, we had your mate on uh, Trent McLennan uh, recently. And oh, we're yeah. Talking about, yeah, yeah. Trent's great. And we're talking about being a stand up and the energy you get from the audience and how it compares to being a pro athlete, you know, and the, and the crowd, you can like really draw off that. Or not, you know, in the case of, of, of hecklers. Do you see a comparison there? Because I know Jimmy and Craig often ask that question, and uh, I think it makes a lot I, of sense. I, I don't know if you guys, when you played, were listening to the hecklers. I don't know. Like, you know, I'm sure you're at an away game. You're getting yelled at everything. I, I don't know if, if that's clocking for you because you're you're in the game. I, I, I have no choice because it's so quiet sometimes when there's a heckler. But – I mean, I, I wouldn't think, I, I don't know. There's a, there's a, I guess the only similarity is I never played in front of crowds that you did, but <clears throat> when you walk out on stage, yeah, it's, it's pretty great when you get a response, when something goes well, <clears throat> I would think a pro athlete that rush is way higher when there's 80, a hundred thousand people or 60 or 40, whatever. Um, I'll tell you a great Trent, McC Trent McClellan story. I was doing a show in Calgary. He opened for me. And um, Trent's a great guy and a, and a good soccer player, but a great guy. And and we became friends. And, you know, you don't always meet comics in the industry that come from an athletic background or are great guys. You, you, you do. You're lucky sometimes if you do. But Trent and I connected. And um, so we were doing Calgary, uh, the Jack Singer Hall, I think it's called, probably 2,000 people. And he was in the green room. And I went out on stage quietly, which I've never done before and I've never done since. And I told them not to laugh at his whole set. <laughs> so when you're a comic opening in front of 2000 people, Trent was a little behind me. So he, this was, it's easy, right? Like he's used to doing 200 people at a club. This is like, and he had opened it for me before. So every joke kills, every joke kills, every joke kills. And I told them don't laugh. So he goes up and he's got his confidence because it's like, this is going to be so easy. He does his first bit and there's nothing. <laughs> and you can just see him go, what? Like, you know what bits work. And you generally start with a good bit. So anyway, I, seven minutes in, I had to come out because it was like, I could see he was just <laughs> and, he, and, he, and I came out and I, I, I scared him and told him what happened. But um, and I always, he'll, he'll tell you the story probably from his point of view, but that was one of the greatest things ever when I just I, saw him just silence. I think the difference is, Jerry, though, uh, People go, yeah, it must be great. I mean, it is a buzz, of course, going on in front of fans and crowds that big. But half your games, they're not paying to see you. They're not paying to see your team. They're coming for the other guys. So it'd be like you going to a comic club and nobody wants to see you. But when they're paying to see you, it must be a lot easier because they're already you've already got them yeah, right, to a certain extent, yeah. right? When you're a football player, no, no, you've yeah, never got true. them. 
That's right? true. I mean, I had a lot of those experiences too when I would open for comics bigger than me. And I like, this is the warm up and they're talking and drinking and they don't care. So, uh, no, you're right though. When it's what's when you're not there to see your team or you, I, I mean, I can't relate to what you guys did. It's so rare. Um, yeah, I, I was all have been, my dream would have been to have been a pro athlete. Um, but this is, you know, this is fun too. And, uh, oh, you're a pretty good golfer, Jerry. Maybe story. you can make the senior tour. Oh, I, I trust me. I wish. Hey, no. I'm, oh, I'm okay. up here against, we go. Here we go, now. Craig. Maybe I'm up the other guys. My Jerry, age. just just so you know, Craig was was quizzing Parker Cheyenne, his Cheyenne yeah. daughter, about your score, and he really like on air. He really wanted to know your score because we had just played wooden sticks with Duffy and Amber, so we were like, hey, maybe we go golfing with Jerry D. But Parker was saying you you shot like a seventy four or something. No, like that? it was an, it was an eighty three last Wednesday. Oh, he looked, he looked online because he goes, yeah, "Oh, I, I shot seventy two three weeks ago." Even Parker's like, because at the national, you you can't enter your scores, right? It's um, it only gets entered by a pro, and mm. it's it's the hardest course in Canada by far. And I, I shot seventy two, and uh, he wrote me back. He's like, like you put those the the emoji with the big eyes or something. Um, yeah, that's like to shoot 72 there from the black tees, which I did that day wow. uh, playing for money. So it's not like I can take putts. Guys are making me is uh, yeah, is really hard to do. Especially that is unbelievable, my, Jerry. That, yeah. I mean, tell, I mean, give everybody a little bit of an example of how hard the national is, uh, because if it was put in the U S open and yeah. those conditions, it, it, it it would be yeah, we asked Graham Dillette once what he thinks the winning – well, I didn't ask him, but someone I was playing with called him. and He thinks that if you had a, a big event there and you grew the rough, you know, the winner would be like seven under for four days. Mm -hmm. So that's the PGA. So mm -hmm. it's, 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 it's a, you know, really hardcore. So when – you know, you add 10 strokes right away if you've never played it. So if you shoot 78 or 82 wooden sticks, which I know probably none of you can do – <laughs> you're probably 90 92 95 i have these conversations with guys all the time because i had a friend that plays golf at these courses all over ontario you know club link whatever great courses and he's like yeah i shot 76 the other day i'm like yeah you didn't because you're playing for nothing and i know you don't play by the rules because most people <laughs> don't play by the real rules they're not cheating they're just like, oh, I can't find my ball. I'll just drop it here. No, you go back at the national yeah. and you got to go back the walk of shame and hit yeah. it again because guys have hundreds of dollars on your shot. Right. So this guy comes to the, the, the plays with me at um, Magna. A buddy takes us out to Magna, which is a beautiful course, but very easy. And yeah. so he goes out and he, I said, you won't break a hundred. He goes, what? I just shot 78 at, at Royal Woodbine or whatever. I'm like, yeah, well, first of all, I'm saying this at Magna, which again, phenomenal course, phenomenal membership, but it's not considered a hard course for golfers. I said, you won't break a hundred. I'll bet you a hundred bucks. He goes, oh my God, for sure. First hole, he's got like a six footer. He goes, is that good? I'm like, sick, good? You're not getting anything. You're not getting three footers. All these ones you do with one leg with your buddies, that doesn't fly. And he'd never done that. So he shot 99. Like, you know, it's, I go, well, I'll just drop my ball here. I go, no, no, no. You drop it at the front of the pond. You don't drop it in front of the other side. You drop it at the front because you didn't cross the hazard. 
it's a different game when you when you're playing with real golfers, right? So if he came to the national, I said you won't break 120, and that that's what I'll t- I'll always have this bet with people. Tell me your score at your local course, and I'll tell you what you'll shoot at the national. And it's usually I'll say 20 strokes higher if it's their first time. That's how hard it is. So we've learned a couple things here. One is uh, Jerry is a narc on the golf course. A narc? <laughs> is that a drug dealer? How's that? Yeah. Well, you're 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 very very. I, I guess the question is, when did you get so serious about golf that you? Because I, I know you love the game. Yeah, I still don't know how I was a narc, but. You're getting your terminology mixed up there. Snitch. Sometimes. Uh, at 12, there's a funny yeah. story. I'm staying over at a friend's house in grade eight. This kid, Alan Kogel, great kid. I still see him. Great kid. And he said, I'm going golfing with my brother tomorrow. And uh, you want to come? I'm 12. I've never golfed in my life. I hit balls when I was three with my dad at a range. I have a video of it. I go, yeah, I'd like to go. So I call my dad. I'm staying over at Alan's house. I go, Dad, can I go golfing with Alan tomorrow? Right? He goes, no. I said, why? And he, my dad was a policeman in Glasgow. And he said, and this is not a joke. Peter Manuel was a vicious killer in Britain. Peter Manuel. He was like one of the worst serial killers in the history of Glasgow. My dad was on the beat when Peter Manuel was, was murdering people. He said, no, because Peter Manuel killed a girl on the golf course. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah. <laughs> so that, that could happen. <laughs> I'm like, dad, that was 1950 in Glasgow. <laughs> I know, but it means I just, I don't want you on a golf course. Cause I always remember Peter Manuel killed a, killed a woman on a golf course. And I said, okay. And I hung up and I went, <laughs> I was 12. I went, this is ridiculous. And I called him back. I said, I was probably crying. I'm going, I'm going. This is-. <laughs> and he said, no, you're not. I said, yes, I am. And that was it. And the only time I'd ever spoke up to my dad, but I was on a phone call 20 kilometers away and I went and I still, we still laugh at that because from that day I became this, I became a competitive golfer and I went to, you know, I wasn't great, but I went to the Canadian juniors and, you know, Mike, Mike Weir was seventh year. I went, which was obviously he did well. Um, so I was a golfer from that day on and golfed competitively as much as I could uh, well into my thirties and forties, just doing amateur stuff. Never murdered. Never murdered. Eh? No, did you ever see a murder on the, on the golf course? No death at all. Sadly, there was a girl murdered a, a a couple of years ago in, in the States, really sad story. Um, a college girl was murdered on a golf course. So oh, thanks for bringing that up, Jerry. Yeah. 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 Maybe we can but, edit. But golf has suffered. Murdering What'd your dad say about that one? See? <laughs> I didn't tell him. He would have said, told you. Yeah. I told you so. <clears throat> we, uh, are, there, are there more murders and golf I should get my dad on here. My dad on here would have been great because he's got Celtic stories like, Glaswegian cops. He'd work Parkhead, would he, in Ibrox? He would have done all that. He worked in the Gorbals, too, which was a real rough part of Glasgow. And yeah. he was telling me the other day, um, um, he's 89 now. He still, his memory's unbelievable. But he was telling me about if someone was murdered in Glasgow, they would take the bodies out of the house and the policeman would have to go sit in the house in case someone tried to come back and tamper with the evidence uh, or anything, right? 
And he said, it was terrifying. Like I'm in this house and I said, just, he goes, yeah, I got no book, no phone, no TV, nothing. Just sat there for eight hours in the middle Waiting of the- for a murderer. Terrifying. One guy they never got. So he said one house I was worried because the guy, they never got the guy. So of course you're like, is he going to come back? I don't know. But, and they don't have guns obviously. So, you know, and sometimes the, the criminals had guns and he would tell me stories where that happened. But the Peter Manuel one was a very infamous, um, sad story that he read rampant through Glasgow when my dad was a cop and, and, uh, he got caught and, 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 uh, was hanged. I think he was the second last person hanged in Glasgow. Well, that's a different place. So Glasgow, that's a, a tough, tough upbringing. Yeah. You know, I think yeah. you probably met Alex McKechnie from the Raptors and he yeah. was from Easter house. Uh, one of the <clears throat> housing projects after the second world war. Tough, really, yeah. really, really tough. Yeah. And, and my brother was tough. He's born in Glasgow and I don't know if you're just born tough, but he was, yeah. it still is. He's, he's a bit older than me, but, my dad said, the, you know, my brother was five and my sister was getting pushed outside the tenement building in Glasgow. I wasn't born. And my brother just walked out with his sleeves like this and just went out and punched some kid right in the face that was about five years older. So that was the start of his his toughness. But, um, yeah, it is tough. And, you know, my dad always said the uh, toughest people he ever met were from the Gorbals. I mean, just not always – sometimes crazy tough, but yeah, right, uh, very tough. The Gorbals was even – the the toughest part of Glasgow too. Yeah. Very hard area. Yeah. So, so you had no choice but to support Celtic, I imagine then growing up, it's like, you know, you, well, you can't say, I, I, like, yeah. I like the blue shirts actually of Rangers. That was never an option. No, my grandfather played for Celtic. So uh, oh, wow. yeah, oh, wow. my dad's dad played for Celtic and uh, no, there was, there was, there was no thought of being obviously now that, you know, he played there, but no, you know, he played with Jimmy McGrory, who is and Patsy Gallagher, and they're two of the greatest. You know, this generation wouldn't know them. I, I don't. I have a picture of my mom with Jimmy McGrory when he managed Celtic. But Jimmy McGrory was, you know, Celtics. He is Celtics all-time leading scorer. Patsy Gallagher was on that team as well. He's up there. And then Johnny Thompson, uh, the goalie that was killed in, in a match by, by a Rangers player accidentally, was also my grandfather's team and friend. So... Wow. Those are three names that are still legends. Uh, Johnny Thompson, they still sing about on his on the day of his death or his birthday. He was 19 and uh, was apparently just this phenomenal goalie. They they said, my grandfather told my dad that he th- could spin in midair. He would start one way and then he could turn, whether that was a myth or not. But <laughs> yeah, he was he died at 19. My grandfather would have been there um, wow. and they still sing about it. Yeah, there's no choice there. You don't get a choice. No. No. <laughs> You're either no. green or blue. Yeah. Have you been there, Jerry? Have, have you been to yeah, I went to yeah. an Aberdeen. I went to an Aberdeen game. I haven't been to an old firm game. I'm gonna go. Yeah. And I've been to Scotland games. Um in the Scotland games, it changes, right? Everybody's Scotland then. It, it's not. But you know, people in Canada, I mean, obviously I'm biased and my family's biased, but the, the Celtic fans are the greatest fans in the world. Like you, you go to a Montreal Canadiens game. It's a great environment. Uh, it's nothing like Celtic will send 60,000 to an away game in, yeah. in champions league. Oh yeah. Like it's, it's, they're just, it's another level. And I'm sure Rangers is similar, but I only know the Celtic side and it's dangerous. The bus, you know, you, you, you can't fathom it here. Like when you go to a Celtic Rangers game, the bus is, 
you got to go one way if you're a Celtic fan. You can't go and just go, we're going to go up the 404. No, you can't. You can't. You're told which way to go and which way to leave. And, you know, guys get in trouble because they'll rip off their Ranger shirt and have a Celtic strip on, and then they just get beat up. Like, it's just stupid how they'll do that. But, yeah, it's crazy, crazy. So I don't want to see that part of the old firm game, but I, I do want to go and experience it because it's uh, – you know, at Celtic Park, eh, where, where they sing the whole game. I don't know if you watched the uh, Real Madrid game the other day. Like, they lost 3 nothing, But they were happy. They're, they're knowledgeable. They're like, hey, this is – good job, boys. This is tough. Like, this, yeah. is, this is a really good soccer team. So, they get it. Um, and I've only been once. And it was, it, was, it was magical. But it wasn't quite like I'm sure an old firm game is. So, I, I plan to go over – I mean, my cousins are diehard, diehard fans, right? When I've had friends come over here and they've sat next to me at a, you know, a North American event, basketball or or hockey, and you got a jersey next to you, like, you know, you're at a Leaf game and you got a Montreal Canadian jersey. He's like, what's going on here? Is this guy going to get out alive? I'm like, oh, he'll be fine. I'm like, what? Yeah. He goes, I want to beat him up. Yeah, it's it's. (laughs) It's uh, I brought my cousin to a Raptors playoff game. We I got floor seats, Mm -hmm. and He's like, yeah, this is all right. This is all right. All right. This is like the greatest thing ever. <laughs> but they're so used to that. They're just used to the the massive scope. You know, he's like, well, there's the you know the play goes on. Everyone sits quiet in North America, right? They're singing yeah. the whole. Everybody knows the songs. It's mm-hmm. um, yeah. We, we often debate that, like the sanitized North American experience. You know, it's it's obviously not like European sport. Is it better? Well, the obviously is not as much fun. But I'm not sure. There's elements, obviously, old firm. You don't want to see, like you mentioned there, that edginess, right? That's not great no. either. But no. I don't know. I mean, listen, given the choice, would I rather go to an old firm game or a Leafs Montreal game? And listen, I'm a Leaf fan, oh. but it's old firm for sure, old right? Firm, there's, there's, the there's no comparison. Yeah, there's nothing there's like no comparison. There's nothing. There's no the old firm is one of a kind. I mean, it's, you know, there's better teams. I mean, Real Madrid's obviously a better team. But if you look at the salaries of these teams, but the the – the hatred is not good because it's religious based, but at the same time, I don't know if there's a sporting event in the world that that that, that would be like that. You you wouldn't know what you, what hits you, especially when you when you're on the the side where the Celtic fans start and the Rangers fans start, and there's a there's 200 police officers yeah, in between quarters across. I mean, it's dangerous. I wouldn't take my kid. No. Yeah. I'd be scared to go, but I'd make sure I was well away, well away from the, the you know, and I have friends that are Rangers fans like Alan Frew. And, you know, I've gotten to know Alan over the years. There's no, mm-hmm. no more diehard Rangers fan than Alan. Like he has a tattoo. Yeah. I'm not that for Celtic. I'm just Celtic because my grandfather played and, but I know, I don't know a lot about the current team. I follow it if they're in champions league or when they play an old firm game, I'll catch, you know, see who, who did what, but, um, Allen's, you know, Allen was at games as a kid. Like there's no comparison to the level of some of these fans, but, and, and I'm friends. We, we, you know, I wear my Celtic strip over here. My dad's like, you shouldn't wear that. I'm like, dad, it, not it, it's not the same here. No, but some guy will see that. He still thinks it's Glasgow in 1940, right? Or 1950 <laughs> or now. Cause if you're yeah. in the wrong part of town, it's sadly bad. If you're in the wrong part of town after an old firm game. Mm-hmm. Really, really he's, he's, he's sort of right even yeah. even you know anyone in europe 
Anywhere, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, you, you go to pubs around grounds, you know, there's no club colors. You can't wear a soccer shirt to a pub. Yeah. You know, a lot yeah. of places there, right? And uh, it's, it's, not, it's not great. It's not right. But it does add to the mystique, I guess, of European sports for sure. Jerry, listen, mate, um, we're out of time. But uh, thank you so much for this. You're on tour right now when, when there aren't power outages. Um, how, yeah. can, how can our <laughs> listeners get tickets if there's yeah. tickets available still? Uh, yep, jerryd.com. Uh, I've got some dates in October. And, uh, and then I've got a bunch of new dates for the rest of Canada um, in the new year. So those dates aren't on sale, but they're listed. And the October dates are mostly Ontario, all Ontario, and they are on sale. So yeah, come on out, check it out. And uh, thanks for having me. No, that's great, man. We could do this for a long time and uh, we'll get you back at some point for sure. But thanks so much, Jerry. It's been brilliant. Sorry, Charms. One last question. Sorry, yeah. Jerry. Jimmy, how did- Wunga always how did, does this, by the way. I do, sorry. Yeah. Jimmy, how did Jerry do against Suts penalty kicks? Uh, he looked the part. <laughs> I had dress shoes on, and it, it's, let, it let himself down a little bit. <laughs> it's harder than I thought. I thought I could score easily <laughs> because when he, he looked at the net, he goes, "That's that's pretty big net," but then he didn't realize Stutz's his wingspan at six foot yeah. six. Yeah, covered pretty quickly. That's yeah. why he thought yeah. it was me. <laughs> yeah, you're pretty. Yeah, there are not a lot of small goalies in soccer, but uh, yeah, my dress shoes on. That's my excuse. <laughs> it's a good excuse I'll, I'll take that one Jerry thanks so much thank mate that's you. brilliant we'll thanks, chat soon great to see all of you we'll see each other Jerry, soon bye guys sir. that is Jerry D uh, great conversation obviously big Celtic fan big sports fan and uh, I'm sure you can still find some of the Jerry D sports reporter bits on YouTube we'll try and dig them up because they are absolutely brilliant they're, they're some of the funniest uh, bits y- y- you'll find around uh, so that was a lot of fun boys um, that's great <laughs> It's an international break. We're back, though, on Wednesday. There'll be lots to talk about, I'm sure. Heading into Canada's game against Qatar on Friday. And uh, they play Uruguay on, I think it's it Monday or Tuesday. We'll figure that out before then. Uh, but for all your football content, if you still love the Premier League, etc., make sure you do watch Fubo TV. And if you want to subscribe during this international break, do so at FuboTV.com slash Prime. Um, thanks, fellas. We'll chat real soon. Cheers for listening and keep buying newspapers. Join the conversation on Twitter at footy underscore prime and on Instagram at footy prime IG. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.